podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash AdHub. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash AdHub and start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way. For Liverpool fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Liverpool videos and podcasts. Download the COP app for free now on the App Store and Google Play. everybody and welcome to the cup table podcast where tonight we are previewing the Wofford versus Liverpool game this coming Sunday uh, Saturday evening at uh, Vicarage Road so joining me once again we have Jay Riley you can get Jay on, on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show regular with us on the cup table and you can follow him on Twitter at the cop HQ so Welcome back, Jay. How are you? Yeah, you know, just looking forward to this game now. You know, ticking them off the list, aren't we, on the march to this title? And, you know, it's four wins we need now to guarantee winning the league. And we may only need three, really, because if we go to the Etihad and avoid defeat, then obviously that affects the points tally that they can get. So, you know, like I say, we're nearly there. And hopefully on Saturday against Watford, we can get another vital three points and you know, it'll soon be our title. OK, yeah. Spot on. Right, Jay, what we're going to do, we're going to go back over our last uh, Premier League fixture, which was the, the West Ham game. In our preview uh, podcast that we've done for that game, we both predicted pretty much comfortable wins for Liverpool, didn't we? And um, it didn't turn out that way. And it was it was a difficult game to, to analyse, really, wasn't it? I don't think, well, we wasn't at our best by, by any stretch and when we struggled in it for large periods, especially the the first half where we, we looked a little bit lethargic, didn't we? And wasn't really up for the fight. But then second half come after their goal, we, we pretty much once the, the introduction of Chamberlain was made, it, it was a it was a different story, wasn't it? We saw we we dominated the game, then created chance after chance and come away with the um with the three points with a with a three two victory. But just give us your your thoughts and your analysis on the uh, the West Ham game, please, Jay. Well, yeah, it was a little bit of a shock, really, wasn't it? Um, like we did say, did me Liverpool when they have a break, whether it be the international break or now, obviously, this new introduction of the mid-season break. 
Liverpool are always a little bit disjointed, a bit rusty. You know, we seem to lose our fluidity, the momentum goes, the rhythm. Um, it's certainly not ideal, is it, when we have these breaks? Because Liverpool are the type of team where they are a, a, a momentum team. So, so when we're playing every three or four days, it may not be ideal in terms of player fatigue and you know the mental aspect of it all because you're constantly playing games of football and there's very little rest in between so you can't really get enough training into them because basically you're playing a game on top of each other but Liverpool tend to do better in that way because obviously you look at the, the December fixtures that Liverpool had this year as well as last year um, you know constantly playing game after game without much of a gap and Liverpool just kept on winning and winning um, last year we had the January periods was was what cost us the title really though because you know we started slipping up in games we had quite a lot of draws then we drew with Leicester we also drew with West Ham and then of course then we had the United draw and, and Everton as well which was further on into the season in the March time but it was the, the January really where we started slipping and this year was be it's been a little bit different because we've had some fantastic results having me away to Tottenham and away to Wolves, and also we won our home games as well. So, you know, Liverpool managed to get through the January period, no problem. And then we had this break, and all of a sudden, since we've come back from the break, we've really struggled. I mean, okay, we did beat Norwich, but the performance wasn't great. Um, And then we we obviously lost in the Champions League to Atletico Madrid, and it was the first time I can ever remember a game of football under Jurgen Klopp in the four and a half years he's been at the football club where we failed to register the shot on target in the game. So, once again, you know, not a great performance. And then, again, against West Ham there on the Monday night football, you know, Liverpool were very lethargic in the first half, as you said. I mean, he took an early lead through Gini Wijnaldum. Great ball in by Trent Alexander-Arnold and yet another assist for the lad. And it was a bit of a lucky goal, though, really, because it was... It wasn't a great header. It was really poor goalkeeper, though, by Fabianski, who he's normally quite a good goalkeeper, really. I mean, it did shock me how poor his goalkeeper was on the night. And he should have really have done better and, and shouldn't really have scored. But, you know, thankfully it went in and Liverpool led 1 0. But straight away, West Ham went down the other end and set pieces were causing us problems. And, you know, a catalogue of errors really leading to the goal. And he had a couple of corners. and equalised through Diop and I mean Alisson probably could have done a little bit better with it but the thing with Alisson because he's so good like he there's, there's times when I mean not every goalkeeper would have saved that but because it's Alisson you think he should have done better and and obviously because he is so good you think you know it was a little bit of a howler but I don't think it was quite that extreme as a howler. It's just maybe he could have done better because of the magnitude of how good of a goalkeeper he is. But I'd say probably most goalkeepers still wouldn't have kept that out. And, you know, West Ham equalised. And it was a bit frustrating, really, because when you take an early lead at Anfield, you're hoping, and aren't you, that sets the tone. And Liverpool will go on and put three, four, maybe five past them. Because I did actually predict five nil. Um, you know, I wasn't my cautious normal self with my predictions. I, I actually went for it in this game, and it sort of like backfired. So that'll teach me. But, but like I say, I mean, it was a bit frustrating at the equalised straight away, and the first half was just a little bit of a, 
as I say, frustrating really because Liverpool never really truly got going and they cut they did cause us problems, you know. I, I think West Ham were a poor side and, and the week before they went to Man City and yet he hadn't just defended for their lives and I expected the same here, but they actually had a go and they were hitting us on the counter attack a little bit and he posed us a few little threats really and the the pace of Antonio and I don't think he he's a great footballer, but he's he's quick and he's hustle bustle and he does cause a few problems. And you know Liverpool certainly didn't have it their own way in the first half, and and it was one one at half time at the break. And you know we, we you know struggled really did struggle for me. And then in the second half you're expecting a little bit more Jurgen Klopp to get into them at half time and the team talk. And we just came out with it was pretty much the same, you know, a bit lethargic for the first 10, 15 minutes of the second half. And West Ham then went two one up. And I actually thought Allison was quite poor for the second goal, really, more so than anything. It it, the, it, it wasn't really a great effort by Fornals. It seemed to like he seemed to scuff it really into the corner. And it, it seemed to go past Allison in slow motion, and maybe he didn't read it properly, but. Obviously, it went in, they were 2-1 up, and you were thinking, oh, here we go, is this the moment where Liverpool drop points? Because only Manchester United have got a draw out of Liverpool this season, haven't they? I mean, I think it was only the third time this season Liverpool had gone behind in the game of football as well. Quite remarkable, really, in in the Premier League. And, you know, it, it was just more about... There's plenty of time on our side to get back into the game. Now, so you did always truly believe Liverpool had at least pull one back and avoid defeat and get a draw out the game. But there was still plenty of time to actually go on to win the game. Because we all know West Ham are not a great side, but Liverpool weren't really performing to the levels we know they can. And once again, you're still looking, thinking, you know, it's this international break or this mid-season break. And Liverpool still, it was three games in now and we're still struggling. And disjointed, just couldn't really get any rhythm, momentum going. But then all of a sudden we did start creating opportunities and it sort of like coincided with Naby Keita going off for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Now, I've criticised Oxlade-Chamberlain quite a bit back in January time because he started quite a number of games for us on the spin and he sort of like flattered to deceive. He didn't really do much in many of the games, pretty anonymous, certainly away to Tottenham and away to Wolves and um, another game at the, the gate, the name escapes against Manchester United. Sorry, there was three high profile games there, and I thought he struggled in every one of them. But then he sort of like redeemed himself by scoring away at West Ham and at home against Southampton, scored important goals in them games. Now, I, to me, it's it's difficult to assess like when you look at Liverpool's midfield because Jordan Henderson being fantastic for three or four months and obviously he's out injured. Fabinho was great at the start of the season. He struggled a little bit to find his form and fitness since he's returned from the injury. Um, but he's still a shoo-in to starting games for me. So then it's a toss-up then who plays there in terms of is it Keita, is it Oxley Chamberlain, is it Adam Lallana, is it James Milner even? Um, and like I say, Naby Keita got, got the nod and I wasn't against it because like I say, Oxley Chamberlain has showed his worth in terms of he scored goals. But I do think at times he can be a bit anonymous. Um, but the same can be said for Naby Keita. I mean, he just frustrates, doesn't he? Because we all know there's a great player in there, but he just, he flatters to deceive so much. It's unbelievable. I'm, I'm sure we're going to go on and talk about him, you know, further on in the podcast. But 
as this game t- you know worked out, Oxley Chamberlain come on for Naby Keita and it just totally transformed the game. Really, Liverpool's a little bit more agency from them. Started the link play was a little bit better. Started creating more opportunities. And of course, Oxley Chamberlain's more of a goal threat, isn't he, from midfield because he likes a long ranger as well. It's not just about the link play. He likes to you know, to shoot from long range, which Liverpool haven't really got in the midfield areas that much. And he is key to that. Um, and I did think his influence on the game in the second half was, was big, really big. Um, and Liverpool looked, looked a much better side with, with him you know, on the pitch. And then, like I say, we got, we got the equalising goal through Mo Salah. And once again, really poor goalkeeping by Fabianski. It wasn't a great effort by Salah, to be honest. It was straight at him and it just went through him. And, you know, when you make two goalkeeping errors like that, it's a bit of a shambles, really, isn't it? And thankfully, Liverpool got got the equaliser, you know, back on level terms and 2 2. And plenty of time then for Liverpool to get the winning goal. And we were chipping away. And finally, it did come through Sadio Mane. And, once again, I have to say it was quite poor goalkeeping by Fabianski because it was it was a long range effort from Joe Gomez that took a deflection and he he sort of like didn't read the flight of the ball the goalkeeper and and sent Alexander Arnold you know obviously was he ends up being in no man's land the goalkeeper and Alexander Arnold just flipped the ball over his head and it, it could have been for me you know and it ended up being Mane and Mane smashed it home and Liverpool went three two up and nearly went four two up because we had the goal disallowed then did me for offside another. Sadio Mane goal chalked off, but Liverpool went three two up. And as I say, it was we didn't really get out of second gear, did we? Again, you know, West Ham probably feel a little bit hard done by because of the goalkeeping errors. But Liverpool just didn't really get out of second gear for me, and it wasn't a great performance. But we just done enough. We just got the job done, and that's what we've done a lot, a lot this season for me. And okay, towards the end of the game. West Ham could have arguably have had an equaliser. I mean, it was good goalkeeping by Allison. Their substitute, Jared Bowen, came on and Allison came off his line and just narrowed the angles, made it difficult for him, made a good block. And Liverpool ended up seeing it out from the corner and, you know, job done, got the three points. And far from a vintage performance, but when you're going for the title and you're getting so close to the Holy Grail and you can almost smell it. It's all about getting the three points, however they come. And yes, I said I thought we'd win 5-0 last week, but wasn't to be the case. And I did also say, though, it's all about just getting the three points, though, really. And, you know, anything else is an added bonus. And, you know, we got the three points and that's all that truly matters. And Liverpool go back to being 22 points clear of Manchester City. And we now actually play twice in the league before City play again. So... Hopefully Liverpool can go 28 points clear, but I don't think it really matters too much now. Everyone knows Liverpool are going to win this Premier League title. It's just a matter of when, not if. And we just got to keep on winning because the sooner it's won, the better. And hopefully we're still in the Champions League and we can put our full focus on that. But you know, like I say, it was good to get the three points and we march on now to this game against Watford on Saturday evening. Yeah, and one thing that you did mention there, Jay, um, during your analysis of the West Ham game was the the performance of Naby Keita. And before we, we, we started recording, we had a little chat about that and went through one or two things. So just to, for everybody else to get involved in it, well, what we was basically saying is that, um, well, one of our, our friends in our WhatsApp group, uh, Sam Maguire, has done an article today for uh, pretty much about Naby Keita 
and I'll just share one or two things that he's um, that he was explaining. Um, he was saying that basically when you get Naby Keita, his performance as a box-to-box midfielder, he, he ticked all the boxes. He was throughout the opposition on multiple occasions, brave in possession, creative outlet, setting up two shots. While it may not be in a performance to add to a highlight reel, it was quintessentially uh, a catered outing. So what Jamie Carragher mentioned on Sky Sports, basically saying um, he, he, he's a funny player. You watch the game and he's the perfect example of, like, you think he hasn't had a good game and you think he's had a bad game, but then you see his stats and he comes out on top and everything. Uh, how many times have you gained possession? How many passes he made to people in the box? And all the different stats come out and basically he comes out as, as one of the top performers on the pitch. And you don't see that during the game. But then, like you say, when you look at his stats, it, it's it's there in black and white that he's he's actually done things that you, that you haven't really noticed. So just give us your thoughts on um, on Naby Keita, please, Jay. He's just a total enigma. I mean. He, to me, he's got a lot of really good attributes, but I just feel that he's obviously injury prone, isn't he? Made the prone crackers, but when he gets a consistent run of games, he showed last season that there's definitely a player there. I think he played ten on the spin last year, ends up getting injured in the new camp, and he was having a big influence on the team at that stage. Um, he hasn't been, He had a little spell this season where he played about four or five, and then got injured again um, in December time. It's just, it's just very frustrating. I mean, he's twenty five now, and I do think he struggles with the physicality of. I think that it's a mental thing with being at such a big club like Liverpool. He seems like a quiet individual. Maybe doesn't mix as well as some of them do. Not really learned the language much, but that's not a massive thing because Roberto Firmino's been here five years and doesn't really speak much English. Um, but I just think he seems a lot more of a timid, quiet individual, and and I think he's he's probably a bit fragile mentally as well as physically. I mean, when we signed him from from the Bundesliga from Leipzig. He'd been sent off about three or four times and I thought we were getting this all-action midfield player who loved to bite into tackles. And Admittedly, I hadn't seen loads of him, but he, to get sent off a few times the way he had, you're thinking, well, he seemed a bit... like Remember, we all seen the videos in, in training with one of his teammates and one of his teammates had a little go at him, so he retaliated, didn't he, and, and chopped him, basically, and it all kicked off in a training session. So, you know, he's got that in him. The mentality is there. But it just it's just a baffling one to me because he just seems like a shell of the player that we thought we were signing in terms of his attitude and his temperament. Um, and that's not a criticism as such because you don't want someone who's a bit brainless who'll dive into tackles a bit like a Xhaka or, a, you know, someone who's sneaky like Jorginho. They're like walking yellow cards, them type of players, aren't they? They're not very trustworthy because of it. You don't want someone like that who's ill-disciplined. But I just think with, with Cater, it's like he's gone from one extreme to the other and he just flatters to deceive far too much for me. And yet it doesn't help because he's he's never getting any consistent run of the game. So he's not playing like 20 games on the spin or you know building momentum. He's definitely a confidence player. He's got a lot of really good attributes. No one can ever really dispute that or take that away from him. 
but I just he just flatters to deceive far too much. Doesn't influence a game enough. I mean, you come out with all them stats there and 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 certain people who analyse the game as if to a different angle to the average fan, shall we say, seem to like come up with all these stats and figures to suggest he's brilliant in certain aspects of his game. He doesn't get many assists. He doesn't get many goals and. He doesn't really, I don't know, he just frustrates the life out of most fans. But he, I've never known a player, probably maybe Jordan Henderson, but Peter and Henderson are two players that divide opinions with a fan base. It's it's, it's unbelievable how they divide opinions. It's, it's incredible. I mean, you've got some fans who think the sun shines out of his backside, think he's the best midfield player Liverpool have got. And when fit, he's got to be the first name on the team sheet. And he, he, he's this, he's that, he, he's fantastic, he's amazing, he's incredible. And then you've got other fans who think, Look, we pay £52 million for this lad. He's been here 18 months and what's he done? What's he shown? He's never really bossed the game. He's never really shown, like, he, he's, a, he's a star player. He's never really justified his price tag. He, he, he justifies opinion so much. It's incredible, really. Um, and... To me, it's I just don't think he suits the way Liverpool play. It's clear to see that Klopp loves the, the midfield trio of Henderson, Fabinho and Wijnaldum because of the work, work ethic. And and I don't think there's much creativity in that trio. Well, it works, doesn't it? You know, even back to like last year or the year before, we got to a European Cup final with the, the Brexit midfield, shall we say, of... of like Jordan Henderson was in there, Wijnaldum and, and, and James Milner played quite often. And and it's just what Klopp preferred to go with. And people used to be pulling their hair out saying there's no creativity there and why doesn't Keita get a go, you know, like last season and stuff. And I, I, and I do understand it. I can see both sides of the story. I can see both reasons behind it all. Um, but, but to me, it's just an enigma because we all know the capabilities he's got. We all know that there's certainly got great attributes there and there is a player, but he's so frustrating because he doesn't, he's injury prone. I just think he's fragile mentally and physically. And and I just think my own personal opinion on Naby Cater is, I think he'll be given another season to prove himself. So basically that'll be two and a half seasons at Liverpool. Well, it's from now it'll be another season and a half. So it'll be three seasons at Liverpool. Um, he'll be 26 then at that stage. So, I think that's the time to make a decision on him because probably have two two years left on his Liverpool contract, and I, I assume he's still got a, a decent, you know, a good reputation, shall we say, in Germany in the Bundesliga. So you know, Liverpool may well look to cut the losses on him basically, and if he's if he's not really producing the goods after another season, um, hopefully we'd get like maybe forty million pound back on him. Um, I'd be very surprised if he was allowed to go this summer because. I do think Klopp trusts him and, and thinks there's a player there, but he's he's probably frustrated himself because you know it's here we are eighteen months down the line and there's still like a lot of questions unanswered with him, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? It's like we 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 still are waiting for him to take off, and he may well do. You know, between now and the end of the season, he might take off. Um, he might start next season fantastically well and take off and have a great season. So I do think. There's another season in him to be given the opportunity. But I think sooner or later, you've got to make a decision because he's not influencing the team enough. He's not having a great impact on the sides. You know, it's not like if he doesn't play, we miss him. Liverpool have done just fine this season with him 
just in and out the team. He's never really been a regular. So it's not like he's a vital cog to the team or anything like that, is he? And and look, you know, I want him to succeed so much. I, you know, when he, we first signed him, he was a player that I was so excited to see. I couldn't wait for him to pull on the red shirt. And he's just been so underwhelming for me. And that's my own personal opinion. Some other people may disagree and think, oh, yeah, he's been good. He's been fine. And that's fair enough. That's their opinion. But I was expecting a little bit more. And like I say, no matter what, it's not his fault, the price tag, but he's our third record signing, highest signing, £52 million behind Virgil van Dijk and Alison Becker. And when you're paying £52 million for a player, me personally, the way Liverpool are, where they're very savvy with the money and who they sign and what they spend on players, for Liverpool to spend that type of money on them, and we did have to wait a year for them, don't forget, while he stayed on for a year at Leipzig, You'd have to say he's been a little bit underwhelming and 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 really I want to see a bit more for the money that was spent. So, look, the jury's still out on him and I'm not going to sit here and tell someone who thinks he's brilliant and he's world-class and he's going to be special for Liverpool that they're wrong. But then to the same token, they can't really turn around to someone who says he's not good enough and he'll never make it at Liverpool. They can't say they're wrong either because I think there's a lot of questions unanswered still and the jury's certainly still out on him. He's got a fight on his hands to to hold down a regular spot in this Liverpool side because we certainly haven't missed him this season when he hasn't been playing games. So, look, you know, is he up for the fight? And the early signs in his 18 months so far at Liverpool is that maybe he's a bit fragile and he isn't. But I'm certainly prepared to give him, you know, obviously another season to prove his worth and Hopefully he will come good and that's exactly what I want and I'm sure you do too and you know even the doubters out there want but at this moment ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya. Yeah. Quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. Moments in time, for me, I think the key word that you use for them is an enigma. Yeah, I think it's just about... Uh... Um, like you say, trying to stay fit, getting a run of games under his belt, and then and see where it takes him from there. Because obviously the, there's a player there, um, but he, he just needs to start proving that on a on a more consistent basis and starting to chip in with assists and goals, just just to get the fans totally back on his side, one hundred percent, and uh, hopefully that will happen. So just one other thing before we move on to the uh, the Watford game, Jay is just a. Uh, a new contract for the youngster Harvey Elliott. He's, uh, I think it's that he turns seventeen at the end of this month, but he won't sign the deal until uh, until the summer. Um, Three-year deal by by all accounts. So, uh, what do you make of that one, please, Jay? Well, yeah, obviously he's only a young boy, and he, he's he's got fantastic ability and a bright future in the game. Um, I I was a little bit disappointed in him in. Some of the opportunities he's had more recently. Um, certainly in the games against Shrewsbury, I thought against that type of opposition, he may have stood out a little bit more for me in the two FA Cup games. But I thought other players w- were better than him in terms of Curtis Jones, of course, was better than him um, in, the, in them two games against Shrewsbury. And 
also Nico Williams, a full-back, and, and Pedro Chiravella as well. So, to me, I thought, he, he's still only a young kid, isn't he? He's, he's not 17 until April time. So, you know, when you're 16 years of age, you've got a long way to go and you've got a lot to learn. And he's got really good technical ability. You can tell he's a confident boy and sometimes in life you need to be like that. But I look back to, you know, the likes of Michael Owen. Michael Owen was like 17. Steven Gerrard was 17. Cesc Fabregas was 16. Wayne Rooney was 16. And they were special footballers. And obviously Robbie Fowler, another one at 17. And and they were playing you know, week in, week out, Premier League games and what have you at that, at that age. So to be categorised to the levels that they were, he's next season's big for him because he's going to be 17 for the majority of next season. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, I don't quite think he, he's ready yet. I think he's got a lot of learning and development to do. But the positive signs are there and Liverpool are obviously giving him a, a, a bigger contract, you know, to, what is it to twenty twenty three? So three years of of you know, let's see how good he how how much he can come on leaps and bounds. But I certainly think he's even though he plays a different role to Curtis Jones, I think Curtis Jones out of all of the youngsters is quite a little bit ahead of him really in the peck in order for selection in terms of getting into the match day squads, being on the bench and even being called upon to starting games. So I think he's got a little bit of a way to go, yeah. Um but like I say, he does look very good. I'm just a little bit dis- disappointed in them Strosbury games, really, because I did think they were the type of games where if he is going to be a superstar, you've got to be shining against a team like that. Do you know what I mean? He did OK against Everton in the FA Cup, but I thought he was disappointing against Aston Villa away in the Caribou Cup as well. So, you know, like I say, it- it- it's one of them situations for me where I think he's a little bit down the pecking order and Curtis Jones is the one. He, he, to me, he's the one that could break into the, the first-team squad and, and play like maybe 10, 15 games for the first-team next season. I think he's a little bit ahead of Harvey Elliott and he's got a lot more development to do. But the positives are there, aren't they? If Liverpool are going to give him... A, he's like basically effectively a three-year deal, an extended deal, then you know, the signs are good for him. But I think he's got a lot of development to do still. OK, cheers, Jay. Right, um, what we'll do now, we'll move on to the... Upcoming fixture against Watford um, on Saturday. So earlier on in the season, they provided us with a with a, with a tough game, didn't he? In the I think it was in the December where we played them um, at Anfield, and they had one or two chances in that game. Although we we came out with the with the victory, I'm not sure if it was a two 0 victory or a two one uh, victory. Um, just escapes me at the moment the scoreline. But what sort of um, progress have, have they made since that uh, fixture, and what sort of threat do you think they're going to pose us at the weekend, please, Jay? Well, yeah, when they when they came to Anfield in December time when he first took over, Nigel Pearson, they gave a really good account of themselves, didn't they? I mean, they were unfortunate on the day really to be to lose the game because. He certainly had very good opportunities to score against us. I mean, Saar missed an absolute sitter, didn't he, in the first half? And then Delafeu missed a really good chance as well at the start of the second half and you know, clean through on goal. And Liverpool left it late, didn't they, to wrap it up and went 2-0. Mo Salah scored a very good goal in the first half and in the second half, you know, we wrapped it up late on. So 2-0 sort of like flattered Liverpool in a way because it could have easily been a draw that game. And the thing with, with Watford, I've always thought it did in a bit of a false position because 
got some really good players. You know, it's Delafeu is always a threat, a lively player. Troy Deeney, I've always likened him to a pub player, Sunday League centre forward, but he's he's very honest, isn't he? He keeps the centre half in a game and he's a battering ram, really. And you know, you you can't fault his efforts. Do you know what I mean? I, I've never felt he's been blessed with much other than, as I say, that I I call him a glorified pub player, but. To be fair to the lads, he's played in the Premier League a number of years now and he does score goals, so, you know, who am I to judge? But, you know, he did miss him at the start of the season. He hadn't really played much for them. He'd been out injured and obviously he's started playing more often now and he's chipped in with goals and he's the captain and he leads by example. So he's obviously a massive influence on that team. Um they're very physical, aren't they, in the middle of the park with the likes of Kapui. They've also got um, Decore. Big presences in the in the, in the the side, really. They've got Sh- Sh- Shalabar as well, I think it is. So, you know, they, they are a big unit of a side of the centre-halves as well. So, it's it's a strange one because after that game against Liverpool, you've seen the, the positives there straight away. It's happened to a new manager. So, you get the new manager bounce factor, don't you, where performance levels improve a little bit it's quite clear it wasn't working with the previous managers I mean they had Sanchez Flores didn't he it was just a disaster because he didn't really like working with him the first time around he'd already been sacked once and he didn't last long I think maybe eight games and was sacked again before that it was that Gracia wasn't it who got him to the FA Cup final and I thought he was doing okay he was quite a defensive minded manager and he they were quite solid defensively at times, apart from when they played us. And obviously when they played, I think Liverpool beat them 5-0, didn't he? But other games, they were really close games. He didn't concede that often. Other than when, as I say, the game against Liverpool at Anfield and also they got battered in the FA Cup final by City. But Man City and Liverpool are two of the best teams in the league by far and away. So that can happen to teams. But against most other teams, they were, they were quite solid defensively, Wofford. And I was surprised that they had a poor start to the season under them. But anyway, he lost his job and then Sanchez Flores lost his job and he settled on Pearson and he had an upturn in form, didn't he? And they ended up getting themselves out of the relegation mire because they went on a really good run for about five or six games. And then all of a sudden, the form has just dipped a little bit. It's almost like the new manager fact is it's worn off a little bit and they've sort of like sunk into the shell a little bit again and they've had some disappointing results. But I think their poor form and their poor results have also coincided with the fact that Saar got injured, the, the young Senegal lad, on the wing for them. Now, we missed a sitter at Anfield, didn't he, in December time? But he seemed to kick on from there, and he's he's a very dangerous player. And when you, you put him on one side and Delafeu on the other side and Troidini down the middle, you do pose a, a threat. You know, they are dangerous and because they're both pacey and tricky, Saar and Delafeu, they do cause problems. And I think he came on, didn't he, at the weekend at Old Trafford against United and played for 20 minutes or something. So I imagine he might start the game on Saturday, which is a bit of a, a danger for us, really, all things considered, because it would have been a bit better if he wasn't available for this game and he was still out injured, because he's certainly a threat. He's certainly a live wire and he's dangerous to add to Delafeu's threat as well. So... <laughs> Like I say, I, I don't think they'll go down. I think they've got enough to stay up. But, you know, what is the 11 games left now? And it's vitally important that they start getting on the winning trail. So they'll be wanting to, to start on Saturday against Liverpool, really, won't they? And 
halt the Liverpool title winning party. So I think it'll be a tough one. I really do because as I say, they're a very physical side and Liverpool are going to have to be strong in midfield. This is a game where we could very well miss Jordan Henderson in it. Um, he would have been important in this game for me, but he's not going to be fit for it, is he? So we're just going to have to get on with it. And it's going to be interesting the midfield selection that Klopp makes on Saturday. But yeah, like I say, I think um, they've done quite well under Pearce and had a little bit of a dip, but you know, getting players back from injury now, so it's going to be interesting the Vicarage Road on Saturday evening. Okay, Jay. Right. Um, before we do our, our score predictions, just uh, give us your thoughts on a. Uh, on the potential starting lineup, um, given the fact that, that Chamberlain came on, didn't he, and, and basically changed the game against West Ham, is he one player that you you could see coming back in, into the side? Um, and anywhere else on the pitch other than that, can you see any uh, changes being made? Well, as I said before, Watford are quite a physical side, really, for me. When I think of Watford, I do think they've got some presences in their side. Um, so it is a bit of a dilemma. As I say, I think we will miss Jordan Henderson's influence, to be honest. But I just can't see there being a change defensively because since Alexander-Arnold struggled for a couple of games, didn't he? he wasn't great against Norwich or Atletico Madrid, but then he was superb against West Ham, got a couple of assists. Um, would have been a hat-trick of assists, but for Manny, just straying offside. For, you know, for the fourth goal um, I can't see breaking up the partnership of Gomez and Van Dijk because they've been great together um, even though they conceded two against West Ham midfield's always the dilemma isn't it I mean the front three it's got to be a shoe in that it's Mane Firmino and Salah because Firmino hasn't scored a goal at Anfield in the Premier League this season, which is quite incredible. But away from home, he's vitally important. He's scored quite a lot of, I think, six or seven Premier League goals away from home. And he, he's really important in the away games, isn't he? No leads from the front. And you know, his work ethic's fantastic. You no know, second to none, really. Sadio Mane should definitely start because, like I say, he was on the bench against Norwich anyway, wasn't he? So he only really came on second half to get the winner. Again, in, in Madrid, he started that game, but he was taken off at half-time. So he, he he will start the game, and of course, Mo Salah as well. So it's always the midfield area. Fabinho is going to be crucial in this game because it's, he, he's very combative, isn't he? And he's the type of player where he's everywhere, you know, gets his foot in everywhere. I mean, Virgil van Dijk said he likens him to inspect the gadgets, and that's exactly what he's like. But his performances have not been to the levels they were before his injury. So... Hopefully, with these couple of games, he's had under his belt now and a bit of momentum going. Hopefully, he'll improve a little bit and this is a game where he can shine in. You're going to have to play Wijnaldum because of his work ethic, because he gets around the pitch really well, doesn't he? And he's well-balanced player, goes left, goes right, you know, sacks back, links to play, pulls out left, pulls out right. He, you know, he, he is a very all-rounded midfield player, so I think he'll play. And then again, it's it's the dilemma of the of the other player that that comes into the side. And I mean, I I really can't see Naby Keita starting this game, but will Oxley Chamberlain start it? Because again, sometimes he flatters to deceiving games, but he is a goal threat from midfield. The other angle is maybe James Milner could start it. Now I know people listening to it might think, oh, we can't be starting Milner, but I just think more. The fact that he's a combative player and he'll get stuck in and it'll be a physical game and it might suit James Milner coming into the side. 
But I'd probably just go with Ox because, you know, you can't... I know sometimes you look at the opposition and you, you make your team selections based on the opposition. But I just think this Liverpool team is so good that we shouldn't be worrying or thinking about, oh, they've got this, they've got that. It's Watford at the end of the day. I think they're back down in the relegation zone and they're there for a reason. And of course, they give us a little scare at Anfield in December time. And of course, it might be a tough game, quite combative. But Liverpool have got better players than Watford. The proof's in the pudding. You know, we've got Salah, we've got Mane, we've got Firmino. Just trust in our own ability, really. And on that basis, I probably would just go with Oxlade-Chamberlain because he's always good for a goal from midfield. And it could be important in a game like this, couldn't it? You know, Oxlade-Chamberlain smashing one in from the edge of the box and, you know, could score another crucial goal as he did away against West Ham and he did at home against Southampton and he did in in, in numerous other games he has done this season, a couple in the Champions League as well. So I just think let's go with him and play Oxlade-Chamberlain because... He was important when he came off the bench against West Ham on Monday night and he deserves to start really more than any of the other midfielders for me. So let's give Oxley chamberlain a nod and go from there and you know see what happens and I think that would be my team. I think the only change I would make would be Oxley chamberlain for Naby Keita. Yeah, I think, I'd, uh, I think I'd totally agree with that myself as well. I think... Chamberlain's basically played himself into the team, hasn't he? After that, um, that cameo performance and and basically dragging us from from two one to to the three points um, single handedly when he came on with his with his enthusiasm and his his drive from midfield. So yeah, I think um, I think Chamberlain will start this game in, in place of uh, Naby Keita, and that, like you say, will uh, probably be the only only change for their for their lineup against Watford. So Jay, just before we uh, finish up, give us your thoughts on a on a score prediction and your reasons for them, please. Well, I normally, you know, last last week I went for five nil, which was unusual for me. And as you know, I do the Radio City Talk Show on a Friday, the fan fan piece, and I've got like a little ongoing thing with Steve Othersall, where one of my favourite predictions that I go for is a two one Liverpool win. And to be honest, it's came off quite a lot this season. But after time, and uh, it's it's came off when I haven't predicted it. Um, but I just think in this game, I mean, Liverpool went there last season and won three 0 But it was never a three 0 game. Watford was certainly in the game of you know until about the hour mark. Liverpool scored two late goals to put the gloss on. I think Saint Alexander Arnold scored a free kick, and Firmino scored a header late on. But we were winning one 0 through Firmino early into the second half and West uh, sorry Watford were well in the game Liverpool just capped it off late on flattered us a bit 3-0 and as I say going to this game we had with them in December time when Pearson first took over again you know 2-0 was probably flattered us you know we were really lucky really on the day I thought because they had some really good openings and we could have got a point out of it to tell you the truth so Going into this game, I fully expect it to be tough because they've got Saar back now, as I've just said before. So they've got an extra little dimension to their attacking side to their game. They're a physical side. They've got some big, power, powerful presences in their team. And I think the midfield's going to be key. Yeah. And like I say, it's, it's important for, for Binho to have a big game for me. Um, Wijnaldum as well. So, yeah. Let them worry about us. How are they going to handle our front three? Not many teams can. But I do think that it will be a bit of a battle in midfield, in the midfield area. So, I mean, as I say, 
it's 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 going to be a tough game, but you, you can never go into a game thinking anything other than a Liverpool win because we're just like a, a well-oiled machine, aren't we? And we find a way no matter what. It just always seems to be the case. So I, I just think all things considered, you know, it's Liverpool are so focused on winning this Premier League title that we're, we're relentless, aren't we? No matter that whether we play well, we play poorly, indifferently, however you want to name it. Liverpool just seem to find a way and get the job done. And I think that may well be the case again on Saturday. I mean, we all love an R5 kickoff on a Saturday evening. It's great, isn't it? Because, you know, it's just around about the right time to start on the, on, on the aisle. And, you know, it's the atmosphere is normally quite good, whether it be at Anfield or whether it be an away from away from home game. So it, it's a it's a it's a perfect recipe, really, isn't it, for the game of football? Our five on a Saturday, and I just think you know all things considered, Liverpool are going to be up for as much as they are, and Vicarage Road. I mean, it's not really anything there. The atmosphere is not to be wary of as it going there, but like I say, our five always adds that little bit of extra spice to it. So I do think it'll be a good game, entertaining game, and quite a close game as well. But I just think Liverpool have a little bit too much for them, and. I do think they'll score though because of the, the, the threats they've got with Delafeo and Saar and Dini, you know, he can pop up with a goal or two, can he? But I just think Liverpool have a little bit too much and a little bit of extra special players, the X Factor players, if you like, with the likes of Mane, Firmino and Salah will just, just get the job done for us really and get us the vital three points. So I go for a, a scoreline of Watford 1, Liverpool 2. OK, so... 2-1 scoreline in the favour of Liverpool for Jay there. Okay, my own thoughts on a, on a scoreline prediction. Pretty much um, my thoughts echo what Jay, Jay was saying. It, it will be a, a tough game. They've got some some big lads who, who play for them who, who like to play the long ball. Deeney up front will try and bully our defenders, although he's not had much, um, much change out of Van Dijk in the past and hopefully that will remain... Uh, the same on uh, on the weekend but I just think playing against these uh, teams in the lower half of the table the likes of West Ham uh, who came to Anfield it seems as though the, the pressure's off them but it's it's a bit of a free hit for them they're coming to Anfield there's, there's no pressure on them um, and they can go out and try and enjoy themselves and, and hopefully get something out of the game which, which they very nearly Early did so when it goes back to playing them on their own pitch it seems like the, the pressure's on the, the home side a lot more than it is um, for Liverpool. Obviously, we're we're flying twenty odd points clear up at the top of the table. Um, obviously, a, a draw or, or anything is not going to affect anything to do with it. What's going to happen at the end of the season? So I just, just think that the pressure will be on on Watford to try and put um, put out a good performance and try and get one over on us. So I think they'll be there to to be picked off. Um, and I'm. I'm going to go with the, the same scoreline as what we beat them last season. I'm going to go with the 3-0 victory for Liverpool. I really can't see this this Watford side um, scoring at the weekend. I just think our defence is going to be uh, rock solid again. After conceding, they're going to be working on the, the things that went wrong and they're going to want to put them right. So I think it's going to be a clean sheet for, for Alisson. And I think, like Jay says, we're going to have far too much uh, firepower for them. And I'm going to go with a 3-0 victory for Liverpool in this game <clears throat> so just before we go I have to say a big thanks to the LFC day trippers Gavin all the lads over there for putting out our podcasts on their their platform so don't forget you can get them on Spreaker you can get them on iTunes um, and you can get them on the thecop.com app 
Big thanks to the at Liverpool online Facebook, Instagram and Twitter pages for putting out uh, our, our podcast on all uh, their platforms as well. Like we say every week, don't forget to keep up to date with the, the No More Knives campaign run by Paul Bentley and all the people over there doing lots of uh, good work in, in the community and uh, fighting all the, the knife crime that's, that's happening in the in the local area. So yeah, keep up to date with the No More Knives campaign and give uh, Paul and all the people over there as much support as you as you can, please. So yeah, that's the Watford versus Liverpool preview podcast done um, on the cop table this week. So thanks again for uh, your time, Jay, and uh, enjoy the game at the weekend. Yeah, no problem. Hopefully another three points. And as I say, I mean, I've been a little bit more cautious than you with my prediction of 2-1. But of course, we always say, don't we, it normally takes Liverpool two, maybe three games before you get the mojo back, shall we say, and the fluidity comes back. So maybe this will be the game on Saturday where Liverpool do give out a hiding and we win 3-0, as you've predicted. But mm. I just think when you're getting closer and closer to the Holy Grail of winning a title, sometimes you can have a little bit of a a little bit of a wobble. It's only natural for it to, to happen because we're not used to, to doing this. We're not used to winning a title, are we? So this team has got a siege mentality and this team is a bit of a freak because they are so focused on it. But sometimes doubts do creep in and, and if performance levels are dipping, certain players aren't performing to the levels that we know they can do. So it, it is, at the end of the day, it's all about getting the three points. And whether it's 2-1 as I predicted or 3-0 as you predicted, you know, it is what it is. And as long as Liverpool are 25 points clear come half seven on Saturday evening, you know, that's the main thing. So let's all try and enjoy this game on Saturday. Yep, fingers crossed, Jay. So... Thanks everybody for listening. Don't forget you can leave any feedback you want to to the the cop table Twitter page or myself or Jay, and we'll do our best to get back to you. And we've been getting quite a few uh, people replying to our our podcast lately. So yeah, thanks very much if you you're one of them, and feel free to leave any any feedback that you that you choose to do so. So yeah, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, we will speak to you all with our Premier League preview podcast next week. Goodbye. Home sense. Why is it home sense? The prices make sense. Ooh, outdoor is in. Are those plates melamine? Pretty planters, pillows, lanterns. Pretty much everything outdoor. And the savings. Oh, it makes sense to me now. Out save on outdoor. Find a store at homesense.com. Food delivery is the best. That is, until it leaves your wallet running on empty. But don't let that spoil your appetite. Regions Life Green Checking and our suite of budgeting tools can help you prioritize your spending around what you love like cheese fries whenever you feel like it. Plus, your account comes with a contactless check card. Simply tap to pay and be on your way to braving a new beginning. Learn more at regions.com slash brave the beginning. Regions Bank, member FDIC. Sports Social Podcast Network.